I'm not sure how normal I can be on the intro to this today. Uh, I'm Jen Ponton. I'm apparently Lillian Bustle. <laughs> and you are with here with us on All the Fucks, a podcast about all of the mortification, all the mortification, all of the vulnerability of just being an open-hearted person in the world and experiencing everything with all of your nerves exposed. Mm. It's about bringing your A-game when other mm. people didn't even realize there was a game. No, God! <laughs> Or you not realizing that there was a game at all and just showing up in like laundry day clothes. For sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in every level of meaning. Yes. Yeah. Just whatever those moments are where you're like, you're cringy and carry and uh, your face is on fire and your heart probably hurts. <laughs> And, you know, fuck buddies, we all have uh, catalysts for um, for growing that in our lives, whether it's movies that we loved and watched ad nauseum until you knew every single line, whether it was comic books or television shows. And uh, often it is authors. And with us today is one of the greatest authors in the world and someone who was so formative for both of us and probably so many of you. (laughs) The fantastic, magical Francesca Leah Block. Wow, that was the best introduction I've ever had. (laughs) All of it from the very beginning. That was beautiful. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we are so happy to have you. Uh, Francesca is the author of most notably the Wheatsy Bat series uh, of books about this magical pixie woman named Wheatsy Bat and the beautiful family that she builds in magical 80s neon pink flamingo Los Angeles. Um, if you don't like LA, Francesca will get you to love LA within <laughs> a page and a half of gorgeous prose. Um, but all of her works have revolved around really specifically like girls coming into their knowing. Um, and, and I, I still need that. I still need that so much. Yeah. Revisiting, um, revisiting any of your work always puts me back at a time where I can feel like just my whole emotions are raw nerve endings, but everything mm. that you write just soothes it and, and, or stimulates it and appeals to it or makes me um, dissect it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, you were, when I mentioned to my friend, Jessica, who um, I thought that she had given me Weedsy Bat, but now that I'm looking at it, uh, apparently I stole it from a library. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first edition paperback. Too. Yes, it yeah. is. Well, amazing. It, it was, it didn't have a cover when I got it. Um, but, uh, she and I bonded over this and it was really the first thing that made us realize that it wasn't like we were trying to look to not be weird, mm. but this was like, oh, weird is good. <laughs> yes. Really the first example of that. Uh, the first time I ever found Weetsy Bat, I want to say I might have been like 11 and I was staying with my cousins, one of whom is my age and the other is my cool older cousin. They're both cool, but she was my cool older cousin. So she was like 14, 15 and her room was just this teenage 
palace of mystery and she had a, that original paperback of Wheatsy Bet and I was like what's this and I just felt my whole brain explode open with rainbow glitter and <laughs> like pink cocktails and <laughs> and then I think a couple years later uh, I met my best friend Gabby and she had girl goddess number nine And we were on the speech and debate team and her piece was blue. So she read a slightly truncated version of blue um, that was just so beautiful. And every single time I watched it, I just like my eyes flooded. It's one of my favorite, most treasured stories. Thank you. Thank you so much. So um, I have... uh, I was listening to an interview with you, Francesca, that you did recently with the Alameda Library. Yes. Um, And you had mentioned something about talking about writing as healing um, and about how you lost that for a little bit. I I wondered if you wouldn't mind jumping right in and talking a little bit more about that. Yes. So I've always used writing as sort of a therapeutic practice for myself since I was very young, um, just self-expression. It's a way to not feel alone, connect to yourself and and then connect to others. Um, It's very powerful. I think I might've in that interview talked about a book called The Midnight Disease about something called hypergraphia, which is um, Catherine Flaherty is the writer. And she talked about having a trauma and not being able to stop writing, just writing in tiny little words all over pages of paper turned into a book about this science of how the brain adapts to trauma sometimes through expressing through writing and there there there's a quote in there about how holocaust survivors the two things that helped them were telling their story and massage Um, and it made so much sense to me because writing and movement or touch, you know, are, are ways of healing, certainly for me. So uh, it just, it's all made sense to me. And I am, I'm really interested in sort of the neurological components of that. But over time, I think, well, I wrote the thorn necklace really about that. And that was a few years ago. Um, more recently, I've been just kind of drained from a lot of things and I had written a book in my MFA program that I'm really excited about it's one of my adult novels it's um I don't have a date yet but it should be coming out next year and I felt that that was a really important cathartic process but when that was done and then all these other things sort of hit me in my life I I felt like I don't have the energy to write anymore and I don't even see that as as healing per se, but interestingly, (laughs) just in the last short period of time, I've kind of started on something else. I had already started on it, but I hadn't really gone deep. And after some recent stuff that was difficult, that's been happening. So I think it will always be there for me there. There, this was the first time where I noticed that it wasn't really in my life, which is kind of interesting. But overall, I work with this idea with my students every day. So even if I'm not experiencing it, I see how it helps other people. Oh, sure. For sure. 
I'm, I'm also really fascinated in the body, mind, emotion connection. Um, it's something that I, I talk about when I teach burlesque classes, sort of like the outside in and the inside out, like power poses and how that makes you feel. And, you know, the, <laughs> there is some value to fake it till you make it, but yes, but thinking about, well, Jen and I have been talking a lot about storing trauma in our bodies. Mm-hmm. For sure. So I'm definitely we, uh, interested in, in hearing more about that hypergraphia and that not uh, the book that you were talking about. Yeah. We've talked a lot about like the work of John Sarno and uh, the body, the body keeps the score, the body holds the score. Mm. Um, and I mean, I, I cannot, I cannot tell you how many bizarre ways bizarre insistent ways my body is like a dog that it that needs to go for a walk <laughs> i'm i'm nodding over here yeah i just i, I relate so much yeah yeah and and you know things that if you're not if you're not ready to be in tune with what's going on you can chase it down the rabbit hole medically all you want and you just won't get an answer but finally i was like Oh, this is all stuff that really needs to to resolve in a very emotional way that involves me and yes. my actions and the way that I operate in my life and like secrets and shame and oh god, shame. Yep. Just in that place now. Don't I totally relate. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've been there hardcore this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people, it's certainly brought it up with us with lockdown and without having those outlets that we're used to. I just think it's uh, been a real wake up call for a lot of people. Yes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We have no distractions now. Right. (laughs) We can't distract ourselves. We can't throw something shiny at it or, or fill up a calendar about it. We just yeah, we have to be here with ourselves. And um, I, I don't know, I think I, I hope that that's been a lot of truly positive growth for people. Yeah, growth that feels really scary and feels very challenging. But on the other end is like, oh, I definitely needed to go through that I, I needed to be here in this moment and experience this truth and say this thing and do this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of, kind of in that vein in like finding ourselves and finding people. Um, one of the themes that I love in your writing is chosen family. Mm. And I wondered if that was something that you experienced as a teenager, finding people to, to become your family. And if you, because that's, that's something that people talk about in the queer community kind of a lot but as a teenager it was the first um it was my first uh exposure Mm -hmm. to um being empowered to do that yeah interesting question so growing up I had a good relationship with my parents but more problematic than I realized at the time um, and I didn't know I was writing a story about finding your own family until I think my editor said, oh, this is about that, which often happens. And then I, I started getting more conscious. And then I, I realized I've been on a lifelong quest to do, to do that. And 
not always fully successfully, you know, people will come and go. Um, I'm still moving toward that goal, but it's been a great journey because even when you find people and it's not quite that, you know, you still can have amazing connections and learn so much. I mean, I, for me, I have wonderful friends and I have these two children who I are like my soul children. So that when they came into my life, I felt for the first time, like, oh, this is what that feels like. Mm. You know, it was so clear. I've been looking for you since I was born and here you are. (laughs) And it continues to feel like that. And they're 19 and 21. So I just feel so blessed in that way. Um, But yes, I believe totally in that, in that creating a family that, you know, in whatever way that is, um, I, I love that. And I think I'm still doing that. I think I'm still searching for pieces of that. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's a really, you know, that wonderful, that wonderful sensation when you do find it though, it's the best. It's oh, yeah. like coming home, like for to use the cliche, but yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I also, uh, I love, I love that that's the age bracket that your, your kids are in. I've always felt that you had a specific affection for teenagers, which is a group of people that often get sidelined or made fun of, or people are like, ugh, teenagers. Um, do you, do you feel like that's true? Or is it just like you were close to that age when you started writing those books or? Well, I never, I didn't intend to write for teenagers. I do think someone told me the other day, you, you behave like a 17 year old around dating. And I, I, I realized, you know, it bothered me. She apologized, later. <laughs> but, but she's not wrong. And I think that part of me, my dad got sick uh, when I was that age. So I think I got, I had some arrested development at 17. Mm-hmm. So that is part of the understanding of it. Um, and I still feel even at my age, I still feel like I can certainly identify with young people and, and I still feel young in a lot of ways, but good and bad. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't, it's not as much an age group as a type of person. I think that, that I'm, you know, that I write for that, that find me, that inspire me, um, that I'm always kind of looking for in my life. And that's just, I would say maybe a a creative person, an outsider feeling person, a sensitive, like the person you described in the intro is exactly (laughs) So I think it's more that, and some young people have that more because they haven't shut that door, but Mm -hmm. then not all do, right? And not, and older people still have that, can have that. So that's, I think those are the people that I'm, that I'm writing for and, and who are finding me. And, and a lot of times now, frankly, there are women in their thirties and forties that are, that I'm in communication with, not teenagers. So, you know, but, but I'm grateful to them too, because of course that, that is a really powerful time and a difficult, a difficult time, um, for a lot I think, of people. So. I think they're all a difficult time. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. Having been through many decades thinking, yes. oh, surely I'll have my shit together by this time. Yeah. And going, what? Does anyone yep. have their shit together? <laughs> Same. Exactly. Not a one. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I, yeah, we, we keep those doors open to the magic then. And I think it's, it is so painful. <laughs> like the joy is painful. The pain is wretched. It is so painful in those years that I feel like that's when we can make the decision of like, oh, do I want to keep feeling like this? Right. And I feel like the three of us, you just keep sobbing. You go, yes, I can't help of course it. I do. Yeah. And I feel like some people are like, no, absolutely right. not. Okay. <laughs> Which frankly, understandable. Yeah. Understandable. I can't even fathom living that kind of life. Uh, but, but understandable. I couldn't take, I could not blame anyone um, for making that choice. <laughs> so I would, uh, I would love to know how, I mean, and I think, I think especially as your writing has felt further from you this year, we don't even have to talk about it so much as you being a writer, but as this like conduit of magic, which I really do feel in every cell of my body that you absolutely are. What were your first real experiences that you can remember where you were like, oh, I see the world differently than the people around me? That's a great question. And I don't know if anyone's asked me that question. Um, I think what's coming to mind are kind of dark things, frankly. Yes. So um, I'll just share what came to my mind. I feel like I'm in my therapist's office, just, just going to tell, share. Um, so this is dark, but it's kind of, so I, my dad was a lot older than my mom and I was always worried since I was a very little girl that my dad would die. He was fine up until he was sick when I was a teenager, but he was fine. But I was always worried. And I remember I had a friend who had a father who was also slightly older. I mean, he wasn't as old as my father. And I remember we were, I remember this, like, it just happened. I'm sitting, we're first grade or something, standing in line away. and turned to her and I said, do you ever worry about your dad? <laughs> the oh. poor little girl just looks at me with these giant blue eyes and just like oh what are you talking you know she was like horrified like no I I didn't 10 minutes ago but now it's I, all I will ever I, think about I, what the hell I mean so I I think that things like that or these sort of realizations that I'm I'm considering these things in a different way and then also my my parents were very bohemian artist type. So, you know, there was a lot of that kind of culture around us that wasn't necessarily in the homes of a lot of my friends. Um, so that part, you know, in a, in a positive way, I, I saw there was a difference. I did have the opportunity to meet some people in every part of my life who were in touch with it in some way. Sometimes it was through music and we would bond that way or through writing poetry or through visual art or fashion. So I, I, you know, you find your people, you find your, your circle. And um, I've never felt totally alone with, with that because I was fortunate to have at least a few friends who, who got it too. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, um, did you have a friend in your high school years that was the kind of person who was looking for trouble? Did you have anybody that was getting you into mischief? <laughs> yeah, that was Dirk um, in Weezy Bad. He was oh. <laughs> terrible. I mean, he just, with all the, all the things I did, um, 
that were dangerous or troubling. Uh, almost all were, were around what we, what he kind of instigated. Uh, but yeah, it was fun. I definitely expanded my world. Um, and he did understand the, the mat. He is one of those people that did understand the magical side and, and the dark side, you know, which go together. Like you don't really have one without the other. I think when people talk about magic, it's how it's portrayed in film, TV books. Sometimes it's separate. It's less so now, but I remember before there was sort of a separation, like, there's something that's beautiful and sparkly and then there's something that's dark and, and really I think they're they're both part of the same thing sure and an understanding right but I don't know if that was always acknowledged in the culture as much as it, it as it is now mm. yeah oh yeah especially gosh I feel like the 80s was all about ignoring anything dark yes, at exactly. any cost exactly exactly right so even as I'm saying that I think I'm showing my you know um my age or or how I came up because yeah I I think that now it is different in that way I think I think younger people have to be more aware just because of all the things that have happened perhaps Mm. you know even just since 9-11 alone or or whatever I mean or or in the 80s, you know, with AIDS, I think there was there was so much denial about that for a long yeah. time. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. That was um, that was one of the things that I think we had forgotten about, and we did a reading of Weetzy Bat on one episode last year, and then as we were as we were finishing up the last like chapter or two, and you know, we get into like Wheatsy and Duck and Dirk all being together and like them being afraid of the AIDS epidemic and like how how like love could hurt. And we just both like started weeping in oh the gosh. middle of reading and we were, and you know, it was also very prescient in this moment of we love does hurt and we can't be near our loved ones and we can't go hold yeah. them. And we, you know, yeah. like, it was uh, shockingly timely. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful, though. Thank you. Um, speaking speaking of your very own Dirk, uh, I know for sure. I don't. I did not have this. This happened to me nearly as many times, but uh, I know Lillian really relates to. Oh my god. <laughs> Thanks for normalizing falling in love with gay dudes because that was my entire my entire high school (laughs) i mean what's not to love exactly (laughs) for real yes yes and i also love that you then normalized like okay well here's ah here's how this companionship can work and here's how you can make a family and still be incredibly special to and loving with someone who is not your compatible sexuality. Yes. But like you can still be incredibly intimate with them and, um, and, and share a family together and like, ah, yeah. And then flashing, flashing ahead to necklace of kisses um, when we see, feels that disconnect and goes out on her own and and her friends are all like what'd you expect dude like (laughs) the fact that she still has people around her who are like this is we see your happiness is fading and we understand that you need to go figure it out 
And I think in some ways, Dirk is the real love interest in the whole series. I mean, mm. I think, you know, not, some people will hate to hear that, but I, because <laughs> they <laughs> like Max, but it's, it's like, I think the real romance is, is between those two in a lot of ways, sure. even, you know. Yeah, and, and that is a relationship that, that in, I don't think if you've never been in it, um, as, I mean, not specifically like a cis woman and a cis gay man, but, but something of that equation where it's like not necessarily a romantic or sexual possibility, but you can still have that closeness. I think that that's something that is almost bred out of a lot of us, Mm, that there isn't as much value like some of the most beautiful moments of my entire life and deepest loves have been with people like that that's beautiful that's a really important statement I think that's something to really take away from this and change in the world you know I love that so I know that you love LA but I'm looking back at some of the questions that we had sent for you about possible topics and I am wondering if you could talk about maybe either the weirdest living situation or the strangest place you ever lived. So if that, oh. if that resonates with you in any way, yeah. like a, a, an odd roommate situation or a time uh, in your life where you wound up like couch surfing or. The, I mean, I don't have any really great stories about that. I, I did have, um, okay. There was a brick very old brick apartment building. I believe it was on, I want to say Cochrane. Um, and the King King Club was right around the corner on La Brea. So I think it was Cochrane. Anyway, and it had a, when I went to look at the apartment, somebody had put these dried roses strung around the ceiling. So I thought that's a good sign. And I put up Christmas lights. It was very magical in certain ways, but I was having a really hard time and I was hardly leaving my house. I was just going through a lot physically and mentally. And I would hear these, the people upstairs, like these crashing, beating sounds, like bodies, just like, I mean, it was so intense. (laughs) <laughs> and I was so freaked out in my and, and it had this little tiny courtyard with a fountain and these like really weird looking cherubs and you could look down and see this little and there and there was this very strange man that was the manager and he was the only person I ever saw <laughs> it was just very weird and haunted and and strange um so that might have been one and then the uh in L- in not in LA, but in Berkeley, I just, and this is much more typical though. So I don't even think it's that interesting, but I did live in a house with all these people and their boyfriends and girlfriends and just like literally stepping over people to, to <laughs> literally to get to your room, you know, sleeping on the floor and sleeping back. So, and it was a beautiful old house in, in Berkeley. Um, and it's kind of a bit of a model for the house in the elementals um but but it wasn't again it wasn't so unusual i think the the other ones was very strange and doesn't seem real even to me now (laughs) (laughs) oh lillian what was um what was the place that you were telling me about a, a, a couple months ago? The theater that you almost oh my went? God. Would you tell her about that? 
I was just saying, I wish there was a, there was a moment in my life where I was, I, I had to get a new apartment and I had to get right away. And I was looking to be someone else's roommate. I didn't want to grab a lease. So I was walking into a number of very odd living situations, like, like vegans who would only talk about the, like all they talked about was Mandy Patinkin and how they didn't want people to cook meat in their house. And I was like, I feel like there's other things about being your roommate that I need to know. <laughs> Um, and then, but this one place, it was on 42nd street, but it was like, I think between fifth and sixth, maybe it was up five flights of stairs and it was a theater. They used it for performances, but everybody who lived there had like a weird little cubby and almost, almost no belongings. So they all lived like ninjas. And the guy was like, here's where your room would be. It's the lighting booth. So obviously you can't be in here when we're having shows. But look, included in this room is a triangle-shaped mattress that I made myself to fit in this room because no beds fit in this room. Wow. And the whole time I was like, it's only $400. It's only $400. Maybe it'll work. It's only $400. I can go up on the roof and smoke cigarettes. Maybe it'll be okay. (laughs) It's all of $400. $400 for a triangle. (laughs) It seemed like a bargain but, at the time. <laughs> amazing. But you know what's so great about this conversation is like so much of writing comes out of setting. Yeah. And if you just give someone, if you ask that question, which is such a great question and of, of someone, that provides such a wonderful story right there. You know, just knowing, uh, just being able to use the setting as the conflict for the story and the externalization of the emotional state of the character for me at that time that little apartment was exactly an expression <laughs> of me, you know, right. I love like that. It, there was still these traces of roses and twinkle lights, but it was just like, there was like so much chaos everywhere around. And it was just, the walls were just like closing in. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my yeah. God. It's so hard when you don't feel at home in your own home. Yes. Yes. So important. I mean, I no, feel honestly. like, very grateful every day for for having found that now for really I mean I've been here a long time but this was the first home I've been in that felt that way so yeah I I am in that place as well um speaking of of your home I remember the first time I ever went to LA was 2012 I put it off as long as I could because I was like eh we're both lifelong east coasters yeah and I was like if at the very least it's too bright (laughs) I'm not wrong. <laughs> However, when I got there, I was like, okay, how can you meet this with, with grace? See it like Francesca would write it. Aww. See it like she'd write it. And so then I would go, I would drive through neighborhoods and I would find jacaranda trees and I would oh. find uh, Bougainvillea. Is that how you say it? I think and it I, would be, but yeah. Was, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, here's the fairy garden and here's how it, here's how it manifests. And, um, and, and especially since you've been writing about LA for so long, what are the places that you still find so magical there? Like whether they're institutions or neighborhoods or like if you're or, finding new spaces yeah elsewhere. that's what I was gonna say some something that's that stuck around or something that mm-hmm. you miss or something new you know uh it's a hard question for me right now I've um I did have to go across the town I, you know I usually stay near I'm on the west side and I usually 
stay very close to home, um, meaning my house, not even. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But I went on the to the east side of town and I was at night and and I was like, oh, this there's so many things in this part of this side of town that were inspiring to me when I was younger. And there's there's a there's the old Hollywood kind of glamour that's still there. There's there's a certain darkness. There's uh, a certain romanticism there's a certain like the music the music that came out of that part of town so I I but I was trying to write about it and I I was struggling a little so it's a it at the moment then it could change tomorrow but I'm not feeling that so much as I did and I don't know if that's you know I've the city's changed. Certainly, um, I've changed to it's certain things have become more gentrified, certain things have become more tragically um, deteriorated, like the, the homeless camps under oh, the freeways yeah. that, I, you know, so I'm kind of in an in between place with how I feel about it. I, I find little, little tiny places like my little garden market that I just posted today or the nursery or, you know, the little bookstore in Culver city that just opened. That's completely magical. Uh, um, completely magical. So there's these little tiny, you know, places right around me now, but um, I'm sort of in between about sure. that right now. New, yeah. New York is definitely in a weird place right now. Too, oh New my York God. City. New York is so strange. Every, everybody is um, so, like no one has taken any time to mourn losses of, of favorite places. And there's definitely spots that are never opening back up. Oh. Um, and I think that people are literally body slamming themselves into the new spots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Having been body slammed the other night. Um, just it's, 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 I do. And I understand all of it because it's a moment where we can all try to create something new, but it seems to me that the intention is maybe misplaced. I don't know. That's probably, that's probably right. a way abstract way to say I had a panic attack at a drag show, but like, <laughs> no, I get it. I mean, I think I want to create something new too, but I'm just so drained, you know, I don't, like, I don't know how people are doing it. I, yeah. I don't have the energy to be around people the way I did. Yeah. I, I don't, I had um, COVID early, early on and oh, I was, sorry. it was okay. I was fine, but yeah. I had, I had mush brain for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. And yeah. I, the days where I can't quite click it in and find the creativity, yeah. I'm like, is it because maybe I'm a little depressed? Is it because I'm realistic? Is it because COVID actually damaged my noggin? Like, mm. I don't know. I, I think the first two reasons are enough, you know, it's really, I get it. I mean, I, I, I get that very much. And I feel like I lost my train of thought. Um, speaking of that, <laughs> but, um, but I do think we've, um, we're, we're tired, you know, it's, yeah. it's hard. Like my, I went to the owner of this bookstore and I said, can I help you set up events? And she said, yes, please. And so I made a whole calendar for next year, till through next year of ideas. And I called all my friends. I was so excited, but this bookstore owner, bless her, you know, her bookstore is just blowing up and she doesn't have time to, to do anything, add anything in. 
Wow. So then I was, which is so great. I mean, I just want her, you know, she just has a huge gift to the community. But then I, after I tried that, I was like, oh God, I just can't. I mean, because I'm not going to open my own space. I first had thought I would do that, but I just don't have it, you know, even though I have great connections and people. So if anyone out there wants to <laughs> partner up, but um, yeah, I, it's, I think right now I'm kind of go, going back in. What happened was I went out so much after not literally going out into the world, but that too a bit, but out, you know, externalizing things instead of internalizing after COVID so much that, and then and things were great and things were working out and then all of a sudden things started shutting down for me like not working out and I went okay I'm guess I'm going back in you know mm. which is kind of a metaphor for right whatever everyone's sort of navigating right now for sure it's been really weird very strange um (laughs) very strange and like just this just a huge reckoning with ourselves yes Uh, yeah yeah um if i can ask i noticed that you have something coming out on audible or is it out now it's out yeah yes it's called lost children yeah could you when were you working on that so i worked on uh the stories the previous few years couple years and um, also in my MFA program. And then um, I had put out a, a note on social media saying anyone looking for, you know, dark LA fairy tales and Susie Bright, who I don't know if you know who she is. I love yes. Susie Bright. <laughs> I figured you should know she, she's the best. Oh, she's she's been putting together uh, compendiums of erotica and things like uh, that for a very, very long time. I used to stand in Barnes and Noble, just like, flipping through and I'm like is this the one I'm gonna buy what's the oh yep mm-hmm. <laughs> yep I have like five hardcover yes. oh yeah please I'm continue in, I'm thrilled yeah no I'm so glad I'm in I'm in one or two of them I think yes. just one maybe but yeah yes. but anyway but I love her so she reached out and said oh hey you know I I'm interested send them to me so she set that deal up and then she she has, was working on something else someone else actually edited but um but it was uh, really fun. And she, you know, it's all audible originals. So there aren't any, you know, printed books at this time, but um, I did have a really cool narrator, which added so much to it. So it was fun. It was fun to kind of get that out in the world while I'm, while I'm navigating the novel and seeing what happens with that. Did you get to work with the narrator at all? I didn't. And it was perfect like she just knew I made a few minor notes but she is a genius and she like knew not only the accents and like the more overt different voices but the subtleties the sort of compassion that she showed for the characters in her tone it was stunning Ah, lovely that's awesome by the way just to plug it if anyone likes their erotica incredibly magical, Nymph is so hot. Yeah, Thank it's you. so hot. <laughs> I just kept it next to my bathtub for a while. Not gonna <laughs> lie. Well, and you know what they, they you know, speaking of that, they, it's in an anthology as well. That's a waterproof book. Do you know about this? With all, yes, it's a waterproof compilation of, of erotica and and one of the stories from nymph is in that one i know so great yes. i have to find out i'm sorry i'm blanking on the 
title. <laughs> but yeah, if you look, if you Google waterproof erotica, waterproof <laughs> smut. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. Um, I think one of the things that anyone loves most about Weetzy is her her balls to the wall approach to fashion and just her love of being bold and being big and being, uh, you know, throwing a lot of like gender fuck in there as well. Um, how did fashion unfold for you uh, just throughout your life? And like, what are some moments of which you are really, really proud? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm really proud of my, my brothel creepers that my parents brought me back from London <gasps> before they were easily available, like pink suede boys brothel creepers were pointed to, I mean, I was just so happy, proud of those and oh. so much. And I was at UCLA at the time, it was like the early eighties and, and now it's so common and normal, but like nobody, literally I had bleach hair on those shoes. Like no, nobody had that on UCLA campus at the time. <laughs> so I was proud of that. Um, and you know, the whole, like the, the, prom dresses from the 50s with the I, I found this pair of motorcycle boots men's uh, tiny little motorcycle boots with steel toes uh not you know a, a fashion brand I mean they were literally literally engineer boots at a thrift um, <laughs> store and so I and then I found these lace dresses and I was just like that's the perfect yes. combination of my personality that's me so <laughs> Uh, I really do. It's funny you said the gender fuck thing. Cause it's like, I, I didn't do that consciously, but I feel like that's always very erotic to me. Like that combination. It's just so cool. And I always lean toward that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There there's, I mean, I could go on and on about like getting excited about the different clothing phases, but <laughs> I, I think, um, a lot of the wheat seed sort of when that um alter ego she embodies my heights of fashion mm-hmm. yes yeah. oh that's so great uh r.i.p good thrift stores <laughs> i know i haven't even been to one in so long but at the time oh my god it was just too it was so overwhelming i remember my mom in the 70s would go and nobody went in the 70s and she would get you could get boxes of at least in la i don't know maybe different in new york but um you you could get these like as much all you can fill in the box for like a dollar she would get these like antique like satin bed jackets and like shredded like lace I mean incredible stuff so yeah it's different now I'm sure I remember (laughs) there was a place outside Boston or Cambridge that uh I would go to with my with my best friend Gabby um and it was called dollar a pound or or buck a pound yeah Yo, yes Why? and we would go get this we'd go after the harvard forensics tournament so we would go over like uh valentine's or president's day weekend and we would compete and at the very end when we came back on like a monday we would stop at the dollar a pound thrift store and we got so oh, much oh, good oh, shit oh, man <laughs> there was a i was in chicago for a, a performance of 
Weed Sea Bat or it was Miss Angel one. I don't remember that mm. they, a small uh, theater did there. And the uh. woman who directed it and wrote, she took me to this uh, thrift store in Chicago. It had this underground area with these dresses. It was just like huge basement full of antique dresses still very affordable so beautiful I just remember and that was late I mean that was already the early 90s so I hadn't you know wasn't as accessible but mm-hmm. yeah it's oh my god such a such a exciting thing when you find that thing it's, and I always think about the story about um, they were trying to costume people for the Wizard of Oz and they were looking for the wizard's jacket do you know the story no no and they found a smoking jacket for the wizard. And they, after they brought it back, the costumers found the name L. Frank Baum was written in the <gasps> Oh, no. What the hell? I know. Oh, my God. Talk about meant to be. Yeah. yeah. So That's I always wild. think there's something. And then do you know the Kelly Link story, the fairy handbag? No. That is a great short story about thrifting and fairies and magic. It, you will just die. It's so good. Oh, Yay! That's great. The fairy did, handbag. Did yeah. you ever find anything in the pocket of a jacket or anything that you had thrifted? I don't think I found anything in that way. But I do think they're sort of haunted with with story. You know, I felt I felt certain things that I wore. I remember I had this. I found this like gold. I think it's mentioned in Weetsy. It's like this gold lame coat that was reversible mm-hmm. with like gold lace on one side and just gold and it, it was so nice. stiff it could stand up by itself <laughs> so I mean it was like a princess it was like what is this you know I mean just yeah so great yeah. oh that's incredible <laughs> I'm leaning definitely towards crush and heartbreak because great yeah because <laughs> yeah. that's all I think about <laughs> um or that's a huge amount of what I think about. Um, but I'm not, I mean, I, there's just, <laughs> sadly, so, way too many of both. You're um, blushing. You're blushing. Yeah, yeah, no, I am. It's terrible. I mean, there's a recent one. That's probably why. Um, really recent. In the, pro, in the, in the midst. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think, uh, what do I want to say about that? It's just, um, a sort of seeking something that you know I was talking about my children and and meeting my children and feeling like I can die at peace now you know I mean when they're grown up (laughs) um Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and I'm old but you know like I I can I've been looking for this since I was little but in the same way I feel like I've been looking for this romantic love in the same way and just very um uh, like, I can't think of the word. I just see myself like hurling myself around trying to find it and, um, and, and kind of having more damage, which makes it harder to find it. And there's just, there's so much there, but, um, but I also have this weird optimism. Um, maybe it's a Sagittarius in me. Maybe it's, you know, the love I saw between my parents, maybe it's just the, you know, just artist's desire for life, but whatever it is, I keep, I 
keep, you know, on that course. And I think that's a very, that's what we see, I think is, is doing too, you know, she's like very, you know, it's not always making good choices, but she has a desire for that so profoundly. And yes, you can find ways to feel fulfilled and happy without it. Certainly, you know, your friends, your family, your art, your, you know, music. I mean, there's just so many things that, that make it life magical and valuable. But I do, just to be honest, I feel like that piece is missing and I'm still in the process of that. So, so the first heartbreak and the first crush are also, you know, 50 years, well, 50, I want to say, because I'm going to be 59 in December. So I feel like my first crush, I was three. So basically, you know, <laughs> I mean, I know I was three because I see the picture of me looking at Jenny Zimmerman. Like, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, these these um, stories and patterns that just like follow us throughout our life, like a myth. Yeah, yeah exactly like a myth the, the quest and you know what um I think my books really have been is the quest for self-love and I think that's the on, ongoing one and and what my most recent novel is about too so that that's a huge part of it but until I get let's see I'm sorry I'm not sure how to phrase this so I'm gonna stop no, that part yeah that's okay. But, it's okay yeah yeah. Uh, I just, um, I mean, possibly in the same vein, I was just scanning over your Wikipedia page, reminding myself of things. I'm not familiar with Wood Nymph Seek Centaur, a mythological <laughs> <Yeah>. dating guide. <laughs> oh, it's so silly. Um, yeah, so I was, I was doing a lot of internet dating in my 40s, and I was thinking... And, and by the way, I just want to say, like, with even with all the heartbreak or missed opportunity, I mean, there's a, I've had a lot of love and a lot of clearly you know, but, that and, just seeps out of you. Yeah, thank you. And I want to say, you know, I have my my kid's dad who, you know, we're very good friends and we made the most wonderful children together. So I don't want to say, like, I've just been, I don't know. You know, I just want to acknowledge that. But anyway, and others too. But to go back to Wooden so I was dating in, in my 40s, I was dating a lot and I was um, wanting to make sense of it. And I thought, well, what makes sense to me? Mythology, say. And so I started pairing up the different types with the diff- with these mythological types. And it was really fun and it was felt weirdly accurate. And, um, <laughs> and I just play with it. But I still actually I just used it recently. And I was like, I guess I'm still like looking for a centaur on some level, although maybe that's not the best choice. I think it might might have might need to change. <laughs> Maybe the opposite, whatever the opposite is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Minotaur. Is that right? (laughs) Minotaur. That's amazing. (laughs) That's amazing. I love that so much. (laughs) But then there's the is the bull. But yeah, but I think it's a bull man. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It he is. guards but, the labyrinth, I think. Yeah, yes. but I feel like, is there a name for the one that has the horse head and the man body? Like, hmm. that's, I think, what Let's we find, find out. I love cryptozoology. Just feed him apples all day. <laughs> yeah. 
because I mean, I love my dogs. They're like the best. So, you know, it's kind of, or horses are even like, you know, so yeah, it's a good combination. <laughs> oh, right. Um, buckle up. Uh, some, some people call it an equator, equator. or a minoquis like equus. Um, there's apparently something called a Hyagriva, which comes from the avatar of Lord Vishnu in Hinduism. Okay, uh, I have a whole new plan. Yes! <laughs> Lock it down. <laughs> but I do like Equator. I think that's great. Yes, Equator. Mm-hmm. Perfect. I'm, and I I can't believe I've never thought of that, heard of it, looked it up at all. I mean, Thank that's you. the kind of thing, you know, that you think we would have, but... Mm-hmm. No, that, that's great. I love it so much. <laughs> I I could see him as a uh, as a creature of few words, but someone very loyal and steadfast. Yes, exactly. But also very opposite of Bojack Horseman, who is just a horse oh. that talks like. A horse. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Big sure was that's coming into my head, and that's exactly <laughs> right. Let's not manifest any Bojacks for ourselves. <laughs> So a uh, best teacher was definitely first grade, Miss Atlas, Wheatsy prototype, long fake <sighs> eyelashes, long fake nails, bouffant blonde hair, tiny little mini skirts, platform shoes, soft little voice, smoked like a chimney. So, you know, when she wasn't around us, but you could tell. And the <laughs> we were all so, I mean, unbelievable. Miss Ellen Atlas, so perfect. And we just would hold on to her like le- like skirt, you know, like we were all the girls were just like, who are you, you know? Oh. And she was would encourage me to write poetry. And she was first grade. I mean, amazing. So she's maybe my still my favorite teacher of all. Wow, time. that Although, is a yeah, high ahead. bar. No, I was just going to yeah, say that's that's a high bar. bar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we talked very recently, uh, Lillian and I, about like. Especially, and I don't know what your mother uh, was like, but if you if you grew up with kind of like a a mom mom who like maybe went to work or was at home, but was not this deeply femme version of femininity, and like these first women who you met, or even like even like drag queens, people yeah, who yeah. were who were loudly, violently femme and just experiencing that glorious energy and being like, oh, is this what I get to be? (laughs) Well, my, it's interesting because my mom was like very bohemian, feminine, Mm. like kind of musy goddessy. So she, but I felt like I can't ever do what she, like she had this Mm -hmm. thing I could never be sort of, that's how I felt with her. But, you know, here was, and, and Miss Atlas, was so just so different you know and you know just so herself in in this well so was my mom just a very different image so I think that differentiation that you need to do with the mom Mm -hmm. um, can happen really well with with those figures but yeah she she was she was amazing and um, oh my god I'm just picturing her in like little marabou kitten slides (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I'm sure she had Ah. oh it's so good (laughs) I I definitely have had you know (laughs) a lot of these kind of challenges and and the thing I try to remember is each time I have one of them I go you know this was so hard this was the worst thing and then I've 
I've survived it. So I keep, you know, the next one comes, I'm like, oh, remember when that happened and you thought this was, so I do think it does make, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger is true. Um, cliches are truth. So <laughs> I, I think, you know, I've had a lot of that. And I think, you know, you definitely learn. And I also have a, a huge support system. I mean, I believe in this so much. It takes a long time to find it, but, you know, healers and, and friends and teachers. And I think that's, that's a big reason I'm able to do that. And I believe a lot in attachment theory where you could make a profound connection to someone and then internalize that strength and stability. And that I've seen happen. My therapist died a few years ago and I was mm-hmm. just devastated beyond, you know, and I realized that it really, she was very a proponent of attachment theory. I realized, oh, it really worked. Like what I experienced with her for 15 years, I did internalize I did learn and I did you know I do hold her in within me as like I mean I'm so full of cliches today I think I've that's okay major cliche but <laughs> you know it's it's again the truth so I think that I've had a lot of obstacles but I've had a lot of healing and a lot of um growth through them so I try to remind people of that when they're in those and I think you you can have more empathy and you can help more people when you really know what that's like to have that happen or that happen. And I think Ooh, for that's sure. Important, right. I joke all the time that I can't be friends with people who haven't experienced trauma, but it's not, it's not a joke. It's really, yeah, I don't know really what to do. So true. I don't know what to do with people. <laughs> like you can see it in right. someone's eyes, what they've been 100%, through. 100%. Yeah. And that, and I will say my students, so I teach the class on healing through writing. So immediately it will bring in, people with trauma that's you know and and I mean we're just also we bond so fast everyone Mm -hmm. in the class yeah Uh, and then we have craft we're not just talking about trauma which is great to do I mean I think that's important but we have these principles of craft in order to give it shape and and purpose and meaning and connect to others in your expression of it as opposed to just getting swamped by it yourself. So we, I, I like this class because it's a really cool combination of both things. And I think people can write about really rough stuff, but feel okay because they're using, I mean, I don't want to go into all the technical stuff, but using sure. craft to form it into something that's beautiful that other people can relate to. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Channeling that and, and sharing an experience that makes things feel more normal for other people. Yeah. And that's any, any art form too, does, can do that, you know, dance, movement, you know, um, like music, visual art, it's all, Mm -hmm. but what were you going to say, Jen? I was going to say, I think that's one of the most telling elements of your work is that like it is so beautiful and it is so magical and there are there are surprises and like positive fate around every corner but it's so clear that it comes from obstacles struggle challenges sacrifice trauma and I think that's that's the lens that we need because it can feel so bleak to just go through the myriad of of horrible things that we experience as as people um and to not and to not have that to not just have that like cushion of of fairy dust and 
and twinkle lights and you know like the little the little things the blossoms the the food that you write about uh-huh. by the way which if it's not just uh-huh. like a, a like a pink's dog <laughs> i kid you not there were a couple of years when i was like just out of college and i was like i can cook all the time and then i grew up and i was like i do not want to cook all the time but <laughs> when i was like that i would go through my library of your books and i would dog ear pages where oh. you had like invented a recipe and I kept making over and over I forget what book it was in this mango salmon that you oh wow that's so cool I love that Lillian it's so good (laughs) I love that you because and I love that you made the full recipe because you know I'll just throw out like some ideas and I'll kind of make something like it but people have really there was a restaurant I went to I think in Seattle that did a whole like buffet of the food and then my friend did a cookbook and she did the so people have brought these to life and I'm like oh "Oh my god way better than like what I wrote about they were just amazing so yeah I love that I mean yeah it's one of it you know it's love right it's so love and connect to people so I'm 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 so happy that that came yeah that creative whimsy I would love the tip off on your friend's cookbook because I've been thinking forever. I was like, is she ever going to make a cookbook? Yeah. Because- it's, it's called fairies in the kitchen and um, it's, yeah, you can, you can Google it, but yeah, it's, it's um, Carmen Staten and yeah, it's um, yeah. Amazing. Uh, she's, she did a great job. Um, I would love to know a time you were surprised by your own power. Oh, I think that's a good question. Um. Well, I think it goes back to like the challenges. I I had a I had a few years where just things were like my I lost half the vision in one of my eyes, like a black. It's like black from the torn retina. I had my uh, mom got cancer and died in the year. My had relationship issues. I almost lost my home, oh. and I you know because it was the I bought at the worst possible time and it crashed. Mm. Now it's all good, but. I just, and my kids will remind me, you know, mom, remember that time when you, you know, you you saved our house or you, you know, you you did all these things. And and I go, oh, I actually did do those things. It didn't, I didn't know it at the time. I was just going one foot in front of the other, but they saw it. And so then they'll write me these cards on my birthday, like you're so strong. And I'll go, Oh, I've been strong. I am strong, you know? And I, and I don't, I don't feel it on a daily basis, like consciously, but if I stop and think, I go, yeah, I'm pretty strong. (laughs) So, you know, I, I think it's been an ongoing thing, but uh, it's really important to remind each other, right. Of how strong we are. I think that's what our friends can do. And and our families can do and it's so important to remember to do that for each other Mm -hmm. for sure for sure I uh something that I often say to people when they're having a hard time is something that somebody said to me which was you are smart and you make good choices and like sometimes I just need to hear that because when everything is so like over here like this uh like I, I do, I do a pretty good job taking care of my stuff. Like yeah. I, figure, I figured out, I've figured myself out of so many problems. <laughs> yes. And for myself, even when I may have made bad choices as in very recently, um, 
I, I have made a lot of good choices too, or figured it out on the other end. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like overall, the yeah. odds are pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look at what is working. You know, maybe there was this one area of vulnerability that is, is more charged and more challenging, but look at all this other stuff and that, how that can support you in the vulnerable places. Really yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, as we said, fear is in the kitchen. Your f- food plays into your stories so beautifully. And um, <laughs> we were reading Necklace of Kisses to get ready for talking to you. And uh, when we see orders all of the room service, we actually started salivating and we were like, oh my God. We- we have to take a break. I'm sorry. I need lunch That's immediately. Right. It was so good. Um, what What is a dish, uh, whether it's like something that you grew up with or something that you make, that you made up, something you do with your kids or friends um, that just means something really special to you? Um, I mean, I used to do these parties where I would make like, I would try to feed like 50 people at a time and I would make these like weird concoctions or <laughs> yes like like kind of what weed tea makes in there but um sounds so silly but I have this I had a, when you said the room service thing and when <laughs> you started asking the thing that flashed into my head like just so, was not something I made but I was in so weird stories in England with my mom interviewing Tori Amos for spin that's and so cool it was so cool and so they said and these were the days it's like hey you want to who do you want to interview and i only have done three interviews in my life tori amos harry farrell and um joseph gordon levitt like amazing but like very random but anyway <laughs> who do you want to do? tori amos sure we'll send you to england to see tori i was like what yes. so and my mom and we stayed in this like perfect first we were in london and then i went out to surrey where she was recording um boys for pele and there was this i know it doesn't seem real <laughs> and this is funny i thought it is but so we were in this beautiful little dollhouse um hotel in 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 london and I just remember being so, and I also had just gone through a break of like, I was in a lot of pain. Blah, blah, blah. And we got these eggs delivered room service with the silver thing. And they were the, I do not even know. They were not like eggs. They were like, just like manna. And <laughs> I just remember that being this peak moment. And then I went to see Tori Amos every, like I would go there during the day, there would be a car would take me out to the countryside. And, uh, I would spend the day with her walking around this manor where she was record or she was, she wasn't recording. She was like mixing, I think at that time. So, and she would be playing the song that she even put a reference to the hanged man book in, in the background. You can't, I can't hear it now, but she put it into the background vocal of one of the songs. And oh. I was trying to figure out which one and listening. I couldn't find it, but I, I heard her do it anyway. It doesn't, but yes, but maybe I'm, I don't want to, quote that but in any case it was amazing and she's amazing and she would have she invited me to dinner and she is this huge foodie like and she would have puddings and that I mean it was this salmon and it was incredible so that whole trip I think has this 
there are many others, but that one really came to mind as like food and magic and mysticism. And yes. Oh my God. I fairy. love that. I mean, cause she's such a fairy. Probably in the middle of like Stonehenge at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very magical. Pudding. <laughs> so good. Wait, do you have any more questions? I mean, I could talk to you forever, but this, I know right? this has been super, 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 super you, special. You are so wonderful at this. I, I have to say I've, I've done a few interviews over Zoom and, oh, and in person, but I always, I, I just honestly feel so energized and, and full and not drained in the slightest, the opposite. <laughs> and I think that's really a, a wonderful gift you, you both have. It's not easy to, to do that, you know, especially through a screen. So thank you for that. I feel really, Aww. really fulfilled and happy. And it was like just chatting with great friends. So oh, thank you. That, that is going to make my whole year <laughs> uh, for sure. I do have to tell you, I asked my best friend if she had any last minute cues for you. And she sent yes. me a bunch of cry faces and she said, just cry glitter onto her for me. Yeah. <laughs> Please tell her she was the reason I felt safe moving to LA without ever having visited before. Oh my God. I hope it, I hope it still feels really good. She loves okay. LA. She okay. actually, she is leaving soon because she's got a new job at Stanford and oh, she, oh wow. she's excited, but she yeah. has been in LA now for 15 years and it's oh. been home for her in a way that I mean, and we're from Jersey, so we have like pack mentality, but she's been in Echo Park for forever. And yeah, it is. It's like, it's we'll we'll give her some glitter kiss. Yeah, (laughs) I will. Yeah, I, I, I texted my friend Lish and she was like, tell her I've loved her since I was in seventh grade. She's the reason why. No, Jessica said that Lish said she's the reason why I felt okay to be weird. Oh, I love your, yes. you and your friends. Thank them for me. They're incredible. Ooh, they are where, magical people. Where can people find out about your workshops and all of your offerings? Uh, yeah, my, my website, francescaleablock.com has my workshops and just with a button, you can just sign up for a lot of them. Some you have to email me through the contact and hopefully I'll have something about my new book up there soon, but the fairy tales are also on there. So you can listen, listen to those, not listen to them. And a oh, lot I'm of so your excited. workshops are just, are, are only one day, right? Yes, there are a couple have, that are sustained, but. Yes, I have seminars. You can just drop in for the hour. And I will say that people meet a lot of good people there. I mean, I just draw, I'm really lucky to draw some really wonderful people. So um, yeah, I, I would love to have anybody at those and uh, it's on my website. So. Yay. That's great. Oh, Francesca Leo Block, this has been truly a dream come true. Thank you so much for sharing your heart and soul with us, not just now, but for for the entirety of of our of our tender queer little lives. <laughs> oh, that's the best news. That's the best uh, description I could have. Thank you. Thank you so much. You are a fairy well, angel. Oh, you guys make me feel so much better. I feel like the little, like the little stitching is starting to happen in the heart. Yay. <laughs> oh, please. Oh, that, that mm. we just, we love you. We have the utmost adoration for you and uh, I'm just going to keep going on. So I'm going to, I'm going to default to Lillian, who's an excellent <laughs> producer and host. You're a joy. Thank you so much. 
Um, and we will, uh, you know, we'll keep, we'll keep messaging you on, <laughs> on the Insta and Please. sending you all the pink flowers. Oh, same. Thank you. You're both beautiful and I love you and have a wonderful rest of your evening. And if you just stay in touch. Yes, please. Always, (laughs) forever. Yes, please. We love you. Thank you so, so much. Take care. Bye.